Hello, everyone. Welcome to Health 180 with Carrie and Fan and Rogers TV and podcast. My name is Carrie and Fan. February is Black History Month, recognizing Black excellence in achievements and contributions in all sectors of society. I'm grateful to Rogers TV and many women of color who have paved the way for women like me to sit in these hosting chairs. Throughout the month of February on our show, you will not only see Black excellence in my guests, but you will also see students from Durham Catholic Virtual Elementary School presenting you with quotes from Black leaders like Barack Obama. Let's get to today's show. My guest today is Dr. Manal Patel, optometrist. We're exploring high health to help you learn more. So let's learn together. Dr. Patel, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. Doctor, tell us about yourself. Sure. Um, so I was born and raised in Durham region. Um, when I graduated from high school, I was starting to think about what I wanted to do. Um, and I decided to shadow my optometrist um, for a few weeks over the summer. And I really liked what he did. Um, I really liked that he got to see his patients year after year, form a relationship with them, have time to chat with them, and kind of help solve their problems. Um, and then I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Toronto, majored in neuroscience, um, got to learn a lot more about how the brain works and how the eyes work. And then I did my optometry school in Boston at the New England College of, of Optometry. And now I'm back home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think we tend not to realize how the eyes and the brain function together, yeah. you know, <laughs> until you need them to work together. <laughs> um, what is a doctor of optometry? Sure. A uh, doctor of optometry, I say, is a primary eye care provider. So we check the eye prescription to see if somebody needs a prescription, either for distance or for up close. Um, but we also are important for checking for the health of the eye. So we're looking for any diseases, um, any genetic factors that can be causing problems, dryness with the eyes. Um, and as I said, we're, we're kind of the primary factor. So once you see us, then we say, okay, this is where you need to go. If you need surgery, we send you to ophthalmology. If you need glasses, then we'll send you over to an optician who can help you with the fitting of glasses. So we're a first step in eye health. What conditions um, can you diagnose? Are you able to uh, diagnose a condition? Yeah, we can diagnose any conditions. Um, for the eyes specifically, big things that we're looking for would be things like glaucoma or macular degeneration or any holes or tears in the back of the eye. Um, but when we look at eye health, we can actually see a lot about the systemic health of the body. Um, so when we dilate, we're also looking for signs of diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol, um, things like thyroid conditions can affect the eyes. Um, any inflammatory conditions, rheumatoid arthritis, for instance, can cause inflammation in the eye. So, you know, people say the eye is the soul to the body and it's true. Once we look inside, we can see how the health of the body is. Yeah, yeah. I think you really, when you look in someone's eyes, you really can um, tell certain things. Um, are all eye issues genetic? Not all, I would say. Some things, you know, for example, if a parent is nearsighted, so they need glasses to see far away, there's a higher chance that their child would be nearsighted, but not necessarily. Um, and things like uh, glaucoma and macular degeneration as well. There are some genetic factors, but um, it can cause higher risk, but not necessarily. Okay. 
at what age does one's eyesight start start to decline? Um, depends what you mean by decline. <laughs> for kids, for kids who develop nearsightedness, that's often in grade school where we start to see. Um, for adults with decline, we think when we start to do this, and that's somewhere around age 40, 45, where we say, okay, I'm starting to play trombone up close and I can't see as well as I used to. Yeah. Um, how can someone maintain and monitor their eye health? That's an excellent question. In terms of maintaining eye health, I say the same thing as the family doctor. We want to make sure we exercise and eat healthy. Eat healthy being dark green leafy vegetables, spinach, kale, the yucky stuff. Um, and what I'd add on to that is UV protection. So if we're going to be outside, we want to make sure we're wearing sunglasses to protect the back of the eye from any damage from UV light. What should one expect from an eye exam? So at the beginning of the exam, we'll ask questions about how things are functioning for you, whether you wear glasses or you wear contacts, if things are still looking pretty clear for you, if you experience any dryness with the eyes, any flashing lights or floaters in the vision. Um, we do some quick checks to see how your vision's doing. You know, we ask one or two, one or two, everybody's favorite. <laughs> and then we assess the health of the eye. Um, and sometimes that can include dilation where we put in drops to assess the health of the back. Um, sometimes we, if indicated, we do extra testing, uh, taking photos of the backs of the eyes, doing retinal scans or doing um, peripheral vision tests in the eye. You mentioned dry eye. Is that a medical condition? I would say so. And it's something that, especially now with people working from home, is becoming very, very common. Um, and as well with increased screen use, when we're on screens, we just don't blink as much. And the front surface of the eyes tend to dry out. And it, be, it can, for some people, it can become a real challenge to get through with that dry eye. It can be um, symptoms of dryness, can feel like there's eyelash in the eye all day. We can get itching, we can get redness. In some people, we actually get more watery. So they're crying, crying by the end of the day. Um, and in others, blurry vision. Every time we blink, the vision starts to fluctuate. Um, and so you can imagine trying to work or trying to drive in that kind of situation can be really difficult. How do you prepare and um, what should one bring to an eye exam? If you have any glasses, that you use, that would be a good thing to bring. Um, your health card. Um, if you have any medications, that's great for us to know because there's a lot of medications that can affect the eyes as well. Most often it can cause dryness, but there's some medications that can even change the colors of our tears. So you'll say, doc, my tears are red. And I'll say, oh, it's just the meds that you're on. Oh, wow. Never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> are, um, are eye exams covered by OHIP? So for children 19 and under and seniors 65 and over, and with some conditions in between, for example, diabetics, those would be covered by OHIP. Okay. Is there a difference between wearing glasses versus wearing uh, contact lenses? And um, which one is, is a better option? I would say both are excellent medical devices. Um, and I remind people that contact lenses are a medical device. They're safe to use as long as we use them properly. Um, and I think both are a good option. It depends on the person. For example, if you're going to be doing sports, then contacts are a better option. 
Um, some people have certain conditions where the cornea, the front surface of their eye um, is not regular, so they actually achieve better vision in contact lenses. Um, but it, it's an individual thing, I would say, where glasses or contacts are better for one person. Well, than the other. What is vision therapy? Vision therapy, in, sometimes I describe it like physio for the eyes. We're not trying to strengthen any eye muscles, um, but we do vision therapy for people who either have a lazy eye, um, tend to see double, have issues focusing their eyes, um, or after a concussion. Um, first step always is, you know, is this patient wearing the correct prescription that's going to give them clear vision? But beyond that, there are things that can affect the quality of our vision. So if the focusing system in our eye is not able to adapt properly for near versus far, you can imagine a student in class, if you're copying notes from the board, go back and forth, far to near, far to near, if that system in the eye is not working well, they can get very fatigued. Um, so vision therapy goes beyond the glasses to say, okay, are the eyes and the brain now working as a team? And if they're not, what can we do to strengthen things? Can headaches cause you to have um, problems with your eyes? Absolutely. Headaches can be a sign of what's going on with the body as well. So for example, if somebody tells me they're getting frequent headaches, I'll ask them, okay, where is that happening? Is that on the front here? Is that on the sides? Is it on the back? When is it happening? Often frontal headaches tell us that you're not wearing the correct prescription that you should be. And now you're causing a lot of strain throughout the day to see clearly. If, um, if headaches causes you to lose um, like your vision, and then once the headache is, is gone, your vision comes back, what does that tell you? Sometimes that can be a sign of migraines. Um, there's different types of migraines. Some people just have the headache. Some mm -hmm. people will have visual changes before the migraine and some people just get the visual changes without the pain afterwards. I say they're the lucky ones, um, but that can look different for everybody. For some people, the vision closes in and then it comes back out. They can see shimmers of light, um, changes in colors, uh, but it depends how long these visual symptoms are. The ones before a headache are usually between 20 minutes to an hour, but if we're having transient, so a few minutes of vision loss or a few seconds of vision loss, that's something more dangerous and that I would say should be checked out right away. Um, if we're losing any, any blood flow to the back of the head, that can cause vision to black out for a few seconds. So that would be a, a different issue. But if it's like 20 minutes to an hour followed by headaches, that's related to migraines. Give us one tip on maintaining good eye health. I tell everybody right now about the 20-20-20 rule when we're on screens. Every 20 minutes, take a 20 second break, not a long time, and look 20 feet away. So basically what I'm saying is look out the window after every episode on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good it's one. A lot of, it's a lot uh, of strain on yeah. our eyes to be looking at the same point all day, yeah. even when we're working. That's a good one. Let's go to Ethan from Durham Catholic Virtual Elementary School presenting a quote from for Black History Month. Hi, I'm Ethan. I'm from Ms. Patelli's grade seven class at the Durham Catholic Virtual Elementary School. This month, our class and school is focusing on Black History Month. I'm proud to read to you 
a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a leader in the civil rights movement and led the, the movement that, to end segregation. The quote was submitted by Emma Bower, a member of Durham Black Network. When I read this quote, I felt it was right. I believe we should live our lives to do what we want and what is right and always choose like Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King did to stand up for change and righting wrongs in the world. Thank you, Ethan. You're watching Health 180 with Carrie and Fenn and Rogers TV and podcast. We are exploring eye health with optometrist Dr. Manal Patel. My name is Carrie and Fenn, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Health 180 with Carrie and Fenn and Rogers TV and podcast. My name is Carrie and Fenn. We are exploring eye health with optometrist Dr. Manal Patel, talking about the importance of good eye health. Dr. Patel is back with me. Your website talks about the importance of vision on um, children. The American Optometrist Association estimated that one in four children have a vision problem that affects their ability to learn. And 60% of students identified as problem learners have undetected vision problems. What can you say to parents to help them address these issues? One thing I can say is make sure that even if you think nothing's wrong, that we're just coming in for a routine check. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, OHIP exams are covered for children under 19. Um, and often, you know, for a child, they don't know what clear or normal vision is supposed to be. And if things are changing for them, it's a gradual change. So when they can't see, they're not always sure, is that what everybody else sees or is that just what I'm seeing? So sometimes we miss those complaints of, oh, are things blurry for me or are things hard, um, hard to see? Often you get, you know, imagine that child who is told, okay, focus in class, look at the front of the board, sit down and listen, but they can't see, they're not gonna sit and pay attention. And that's what we mean by, you know, you'll have that child now diagnosed with ADHD when a pair of glasses could have solved the problem in that case. Oh, wow. That really explains, um, that explains a lot, a lot for me. My 12-year-old um, my does wear glasses, and I remember he had transitioned from, I think it was kindergarten to, um, or daycare to kindergarten, and he was someone who always, like, you can't read enough for him, and then all of a sudden he was having all these issues um, but then after he's now in the glasses and stuff like that, and he's, um, he's a really good student. 
But um, yeah, sometimes you have these things and parents really don't know or know to get these things checked for their, their children, right? Um, but yeah. reading, that, reading that statement on your website really add clarity um, for myself as a mom, and I'm sure will add clarity to other parents um, who might be seeing things um, in this aspect. Um, how important is clarity in one's vision? Clarity is a big thing, especially for a developing child. If, for example, if there's a difference in prescription between the eyes, if one eye is seeing very clear and the other is not, that one eye that's as clear is going to be the bully and it's going to take over. And the brain is only going to take in information from that eye and the other guy is going to continue to stay blurry into adulthood. If we put on glasses, we correct that. And it's important for both eyes to be clear because we want both eyes to be working together as a team. So we can have stereo vision as well. Um, that helps with driving, that helps with sports, um, it helps with many jobs that we need to do, for example, for pilots. Um, so it's important whether it's glasses, contacts, we wanna make sure everybody's able to see clearly. Hmm. Your website also states that um, one needs to be efficient in 17 different visual skills to be successful in like reading, learning, sports, and in life in general. Um, explain to us what does this mean? Clarity is step one. We want the right prescription, um, but there's so much that goes into vision. And there's so much that goes into learning. Um, you know, when we're learning to read, can our eyes track and move from left to right in a smooth manner and follow the words? If we can't do that, we're gonna have troubles reading. Um, you know, can they move up and down? Can they move left and right? Um, I mentioned before, you know, can we focus between going from far and near? That's a system in the eye that has to be able to change with ease for a child. Um, so when we put all these skills together, it's more than just, can we see clearly? Mm -hmm. There's stereo vision, there's, um, if one eye takes over the other, again, I said depth perception becomes affected. So there's so many things that we don't think about that comes into vision. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts on if someone is not able to see, um, does their other senses kick in more to allow them to get around? And I ask you that because um, I have a brain injury and I, um, I had lost my vision and I, I, I was expecting to be in like complete darkness. But then it was like my visual um, part kicked in and I was able to literally find myself to sit down. But when I was trying to do that, because I was like, I got up and I was like, uh oh, I, I can't see anything. Right. But I was mm -hmm. able to, to re recognize, OK, a chair is supposed to look like this. I felt one part and then I was able to literally like with visualization um, visualize the chair and got myself to sit down. And I would never have imagined that someone who not able to see would be able to do that. It was just, it was quite an experience. What's your thoughts on things like that? Yeah, you have um, that we gain through our life, a lot of visualization and a lot of memory that comes into it. Um, our brain is able to fill in the gaps very, very well. And our brain is actually very good at doing that without us realizing. Um, and so when somebody does lose vision or their vision becomes diminished, there's other senses do kick in, but a lot of it is the brain saying, oh, I remember how this is supposed to be. This is where this is, where this is where things are supposed to be. Once you enter a new environment, it might be a little bit 
more difficult. And then you're relying more on your other senses, hearing, smell. Um, we kind of joke about it here. We say once we take off our glasses, we can't hear as well because we've we've decided to block off the world. But it's a different <laughs> case for what the example you gave. What are some signs for parents to look out for to see if their child has a learning related vision um, problem? Mm -hmm. So the basics I would say is any complaints of, you know, the child is squinting while at school or looking at television. Um, if they're rubbing their eyes a lot, any eye turning or coming out of alignment. Beyond that, you can see um, any letter reversals, for example. There's some conditions that can mimic dyslexia. Um, so for example, if they're skipping H or turning it into an I every time they read that character, um, things like that. What are some of the common issues vision therapy helps to improve? Mm -hmm. One of the most common is a condition called convergence insufficiency. So convergence is the act of the eyes coming in together. Insufficiency means we can't do that. Um, and there are other similar. So in terms of eye alignment or eye focusing or post-concussion, um, a vision therapy program is tailored specifically to the issues that that person is facing. And our goal for that is to make things more comfortable for them. First is, okay, teach you, for example, that I gave convergence insufficiency, teach you where in space your eyes are supposed to point. Um, after we're able to develop that, we say, okay, now can we teach you to do it with clarity and with ease so that it's not becoming a stressor to your system? I have to ask you this question. Um, I want to find out what does that say to you if someone is unable to see or open their eyes and you know how you freeze the person's eye and then all of a sudden that person can see crystal clear. What does that, what does that say to you? Um, can I ask you, what do you mean by freezing the eye? You know, there's a solution that they put into your eye to freeze your eyes. Is that something common that you work with or is that just in other situations? That would not be as common um, that I think an optometrist would see. That yeah. would be something more than an ophthalmologist would see, especially if I'm having difficulty opening the eye. Yeah. That would be more ophthalmology. And, and they have tools as well, you know, to kind of do x-rays to through the eyelid to be able to see what things are looking like at the back. Tell us about the emergency eye care service your organization um, provides. So um, most commonly in terms of emergency, what we see is something gets into the eye. So if people are not wearing protection at work, things start flying into the eye and it gets stuck. So what we would do is assess, see if there's anything there, see if we need to flush it out or remove it with some tools. Those are the most common things. Um, hits to the eyes, we could also see um, scratches, sometimes kids, sometimes workplace related. Mm -hmm. What is cataract and how um, do cataracts impact a person and what treatments are available for it? Actually, I have an eye model here that will help us see. So oh, I, I love examples. I love <laughs> the front of the eye. Oh. I'll take the front of the eye off. Behind that is the iris. That's the colored part of the eye. And right behind that is the lens when I turn it out here. And when we're born, that lens is clear. Over time, it becomes cloudy. 
And when it starts to affect our vision, that's when we call it a cataract. And what I mean by affect our vision is driving at night becomes more difficult. We're seeing more glare, we're seeing more halos. Um, and when we you know, check for the prescription, we're saying one or two, one or two, whatever we do, we're not seeing that crisp, clear, bottom line 2020 vision anymore. That happens to everybody. It's a normal process of aging, or as I say, getting more birthdays, it's normal. Um, in terms of what we can do for cataracts, once the vision is getting to be a problem, and once patients start to complain and say, you know, I really can't see as well as I used to, or I can't do what I want to do anymore, then we refer for surgery. Um, surgery sounds scary, but I say everybody has two eyes, so it's the most commonly performed procedure. And they just go in, they remove that cataract, and they put in a new artificial lens. And that's for life after that. You don't have to do anything else after that, and your vision will be clear. After cataract surgery, most people say, you know, now I got to go clean my house because I'm seeing all the things and dust and dirt that I've been missing. What does your organization mean when it says uh, spectacle wear? Spectacle wear refers to glasses. Uh, so spectacles would be glasses and then contacts would be, or CLs would be contact lens wear. What's one tip you can give to parents about eye health, uh, the eye health of their children? I already mentioned the 2020 rule, 2020 rule, and I'd say that goes for children as well, making sure we're taking breaks from the screens. Other things I'll say is arm's length is better than way up close. So we don't want to be way up close. We want to be arm's length. TV is going to be better. Um, and the best thing that I can say now is there's been a lot of research into what causes an eye to become nearsighted. And it's still developing, but we know now that natural sunlight allows for normal development of the eye. So we want to make sure the kids are getting outside and getting natural light. That's all the time we have for today's episode of Health 180 with Carrie and Fenn and Rogers TV and podcast. My name is Carrie and Fenn. Thank you to Dr. Patel for joining us. Thank you to Susie Sher Oshawa. And thank you for joining us. And remember, together we're stronger. Hi, this is Peter Bethenfalvy, your member of Provincial Parliament for Pickering Uxbridge. February is Black History Month. We take this opportunity to celebrate Black culture and mark the many contributions made by Black Ontarians and Black Canadians to our province and to our country throughout history. Our government is actively working to remove social and economic barriers to success for Black youth by doubling our investment in the Black Youth Action Plan and addressing racism and inequity in the classroom through our education equity strategy. By empowering Black youth, we can ensure you play a prominent role in shaping a better future for our province. I encourage you all to take a moment and participate in the many virtual events available to celebrate Black History Month. These events will allow us to learn more about the important role Ontarians and Canadians of African descent have played in the history of our great province.